Hi, my name is Susan. I've been arrested 32 times just for listening to people talk with each other. The problem was I used to hide in the bushes outside the windows of people's homes to enjoy listening to strangers talk to each other. It's just something I like to do. I get bored and lonely sometimes, you know. Hey, Susan, don't do all that. There's another way to enjoy random conversations? Now, thanks to the podcast show, I can enjoy listening to conversations with strangers and learn something new every week. No more listening outside the window just to enjoy a good conversation. Tune in weekly on Wednesdays and subscribe for updates on your favorite platform to the Toddcast show and help our podcast family continue to grow and share around the world. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Toddcast show. My name is Todd Murat, your host, and I'm so excited to be here with all of you. The Toddcast show is dedicated to exploring the human condition through conversation with strangers. We explore the positive, interesting, and oftentimes shocking side of human nature. In each episode of the Toddcast show, I talk with strangers in a down-to-earth, old-school, and heartfelt way about their life. Nothing is ever scripted, everything is spontaneous, positive, and we never discuss politics. You won't know what to expect next. Join in the conversation to laugh, love, learn, and grow with others around the planet. Who will I call next? Tune in to find out every Wednesday at midnight Pacific or for playback anytime on your favorite podcast listening platform. And stay connected with us at ToddCastShow.com. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the ToddCast Show. Today we're joined by Dave Jackson. How you doing, Dave? Todd, I am doing great. Happy to be here. Man, I'm really happy to have you here as well. Where are you calling from? I am in uh, Akron, Ohio, home of uh, LeBron James and Devo. Oh, man, that's cool. Uh, I'll take the second. I love Devo. That is so cool. Wow, man, Akron. I didn't know that they came from Akron, though. Yeah, many moons ago, yes. Man, that's amazing. And where were you born? Uh, Same place, Akron, Ohio. I lived uh, for about eight years. I got married and moved to Cleveland for a bit. And uh, when that was done, I moved back here. Uh, I'm I'm the baby of the family, and both my brother and my sister occasionally need a little help. So I moved back home. Right on, man. Me too. And I'm the same way. I don't have any family to turn to anymore, but I'm the baby as well. And it's crazy because the last three weeks of guests are all the same. We're all babies in the family out of three, actually. Yeah. That's so crazy. What a weird thing. Well, the beautiful thing is we're used to getting away with murder because by the time (sighs) our parents got to us, they're like, whatever. Just um, I don't know. No? I don't know if I would agree with that. Yeah, uh, I, I had a healthy dose of discipline. I, I actually, yeah. even though in my adult life, I don't really admire some of the things my mother did as a child. She took good care of me, man. Like, and uh, she taught me right from wrong. And I attribute my values to her strangely. And um, my father backed that up when he came back into my life. But I grew up without a dad. So you know, whole different story. And I moved around way too much to understand what it's like to live in the same place. What is that like to be born? And I mean, all your life, man, what's that all about? Yeah, crazy. Yeah, dude, that's amazing. And so you're really like a native Ohioan all the way. Um, 
what's the what's the thing that uh that people in ohio do like uh i know that sounds ridiculous but every state has their thing you know it's like what is it is it music or is it something else well it's a little bit of everything really um you know back when i was growing up we were the rubber capital uh goodyear firestone you know all the bf goodrich they were all here and uh so over the years, they have, you know, gone to other countries and things like that. We're still that. But r- primarily now, we're known for the University of Akron because every time <laughs> every time some sort of, you know, factory closes down and moves overseas or whatever, the university buys the, <laughs> buys the building and turns it into dorms or whatever and things like that. Uh, if you came to town, I would take you to Luigi's Pizza. Mm. And, um, it, it, you know, maybe music is because we're, we're about 45 minutes south of Cleveland. So we, we kind of get a little of that Rock and Roll Hall of Fame breeze that comes at us. Um, there's a mm-hmm. really cool mansion from uh, called Stan Hewitt that was uh, the the guy that owned the Firestone Rubber Company, uh, built this ginormous house that is now a historic thing that you can tour and things like that. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a fun town and hardworking people, you know, that, uh, the, you know, we could sing some John Mellencamp if you want. <laughs> But, yeah, uh, man, that's cool. <laughs> very, very cool. What's your earliest uh, memory as a child? It's funny you ask this because I was just thinking about this the other day. One of my earliest ones, and, and it's kind of why uh, I, I my dad was a long distance truck driver, so he was around, but not really. And so, but I there was a a restaurant at the end of our of my street, and it was a drive in. And there are a couple of things that I remember. This number one, back when this is like I don't know 1968. Uh, when you pulled open the glove box, it was like a TV tray. It was just mammoth because there wasn't much in a dashboard those days. Yeah. And so we're eating there in uh, a burger and fries place. And my mom said, have you ever had ketchup with your fries? And I was like, <laughs> no, like what's, what's ketchup, you know? So I'm this little <laughs> itty bitty kid. And so she, she, you know, got some ketchup in a little, little bowl for me. And I remember eating that. I'm like, this is the best food ever, you know? <laughs> and I, at that point I was like, okay, from this point forward, whatever this woman says do, because she knew about French fries and ketchup. So that's probably one of my, my earliest memories. Oh man. Um, this isn't my earliest memory, but can I share a quick share with you real quick? Cause oh, I yeah. mean, you just, you hit the nail. My, uh, my first romance with French fries actually was mayonnaise. And my mom turned me on to mayonnaise, ah. mayonnaise <laughs> and French fries and mayonnaise on a grilled cheese sandwich. I know some people are probably vomiting in their mouth right now, but <laughs> I, I love it. I thought it was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And I already knew about ketchup. So, you know, yeah, um, but that's and- really cool. And and then if I had to pick another one, I live literally a block and a half from my elementary school. And so I'm five years old and my mom's like, okay, well, hold on a second and I'll, you know, I'll walk you to school. And I looked at her and I'm like, mom, it's, it's like right at the end of the street. <laughs> and this is, again, you know, back when you did this with your kids and she's like, well, okay. So she let me at five years old walk a block and a half and go to school. And I had already gone cool. with her to, to meet the uh, – the kindergarten teacher, but I was like, yeah, what's, what's the big deal? It's just, just there. I'll, I'll do that. So, and she always used to tell me about that. She's like, yeah, she goes, it's, you're always kind of independent a little bit. She goes, you were shy, but yet, you know, at times really independent. So. Yeah. And you mentioned siblings. You had siblings. Yeah. I got an older brother and an older sister. So I always kind of joke because 
I, I was born in in '65, and so when I'm five, I'm it's 1970. So I was the only kid in elementary school. I remember going to first grade and going, "Hey, did uh, you know? Did you guys hear that Jimi Hendrix died?" And they're like, "Who's Jimi Hendrix?" And oh I was like, God. "Really? Like you guys don't know?" But because I had inherited the Beatles and Hendrix and all that other stuff uh, from my older brother and sister, I was I was kind of say I was like a five year old hippie. In fact, there's a there's a football stadium at the end of my street, or there was. It's it's now gone, but. Uh, I remember when the Rolling Stones came to Akron, Ohio, and they played this thing called the Rubber Bowl, again, going back to the the Rubber City. And I wasn't allowed outside because there were all these hippies walking around the neighborhood. And uh, I remember I snuck out anyway, and I went up to that same elementary school, and there was, I mean, the classic 70s station wagon with the wood paneling on the side. Yeah. And there were like four or five guys in this thing. And I remember thinking, wow, that's really weird because their station wagon was on fire. I mean, all the smoke is just billowing <laughs> out the windows. And I was like, why aren't they getting out? So, yeah. I know the answer to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I figured it out. Yeah, yeah I figured it out too. That's cool. Yeah, Cheech and Chong, man. Like, <laughs> or Jeff Spicoli, really, both of those things. That's, <laughs> that's amazing. Good. And uh, did you have both parents growing up? I did. And, you know, it's one of those things where I had my dad till I was about six. And that's where he, he uh, his background was in, like, he played with computers back when they took up a room. And I'm still not quite sure what happened, but somehow I think he was going to a different job and then they changed their mind. But somehow he ended up uh, without a job. And so my next door neighbor temporarily got him into driving truck, which lasted until I graduated from college. So it's a case where he would get home on maybe Thursday or Friday, uh, sleep all Saturday. Uh, Sunday, we'd, we'd go to church. Uh, then we would have uh, our Sunday lunch together. That was a thing as a family. Like it didn't matter who was in town or what was going on. You had Sunday lunch as a family. And then by the evening, he was getting ready to pack up and head back out to the road. So he was around. I, I, it's one of those things where you don't realize as a kid, but A, most of the money he made, he never saw, right? We were all spending it with food and, you know, shelter and all that other fun stuff. And the other one was he would get home and like his, he'd have a list of like, here's all the things the kids broke while you were gone. Huh. And I just go, man, that's uh, I, I have more respect for my dad now as an adult than I did as a kid. Uh, Cause I was just, he was always grumpy and angry and don't poke the bear. Well, now I totally understand why I would be too. So it was, uh, it's interesting how intelligent your, your parents get the older you get. Yeah, you're telling me, man. I saw that as I got older as well, but I was pretty naive to those kind of things, I think, as a child. Um, that's cool, man. What was uh, childhood like for you? Were you a good kid growing up, bad kid? Or yeah, pretty much. I was always a good kid. Um, you know, I don't think I even really got, I think I had a one detention in junior high and a pink card in in uh you know high school things like that for the most part i was a pretty good kid and uh i was lucky enough uh my mom's sister had uh, a child almost my i think it was like one month you know younger than i was and so he was my cousin and we hung out all the time and so yeah. growing up that was just you know once i got old enough to ride a bike i'd ride over to his house and we just hang out all day so it was a lot of fun a lot of tree climbing and football and baseball and all that kind of stuff uh you know it's kind of weird because you know back then your parents would your parents would kick you out of the house and you know if you got thirsty you would just 
drink water out of the hose. Yeah, you know? man. And, to it. Totally different <laughs> today. And now it's like you're you you know you don't want to let your kids out of your sight. Yeah, you're not even supposed to turn the hose on here in Nevada between eleven and seven, and never on Sunday. Wow, that's the rule: never between eleven in the morning and seven at night, and never on Sunday. Like that's a thing here, apparently. Like, uh, don't do it because somebody will show up in a you know a truck or something. You know, crazy. Oh, that's so funny. You just made me think of something I want to share. If that's all right, would you mind yeah. a little share? Okay, uh, just having fun here. Um, so. <laughs> My thing in high school was I was the guy that uh, could change my voice and call in and pretend to be other people's parents and get them out of school. Uh, nice. <laughs> Excellent. So I, I was a good skill to have, you know. And, Absolutely. It's an easy know. way to make friends. Yeah, well, I was doing it for my friends, really, but that yeah. was the thing, you know, it was kind of funny, like, I couldn't believe that they actually bought it. I think I got caught once, and then uh, just going back even farther, I used to get in trouble all the time when I was a kid, and I remember they used to make me write things. Have you ever had to do that, where they're like, you're going to write 500 times or a 1,000 yeah. times this one sentence over and over and over again, right? And so um, I got smart. So I thought, and I, I, <laughs> I was a stupid kid, but I, I remember <laughs> I had a little bit of money and I was in the save on or some type of a, it was, maybe it was thrifty. I don't know, but it was some kind of a drugstore. And I found this thing called carbon paper. And I was mm -hmm. like, man, wow, I didn't know you could do that. And so I remember for one of my punishments, I used carbon paper and did it like once or twice and then turned in one black and all these blue papers yeah. that look the same. <laughs> I, got funny. In, I got in trouble for that. Um, but that's a nice okay. try though. Well, it was, it was a valiant effort, I must say. And yeah. I'm, I'm guessing it tickled them. They just thought that was the funniest thing ever, but like they could never let me know that because I was in trouble for it. So <laughs> yeah, no, I, I was more just a hyper kid. Uh, I remember when Ditto. I was old, I was old enough to, uh, to answer the phone because it was on the wall back then. And I would answer the phone and I'd be talking to my cousin or whatever. And I don't know if you remember these, I think it was McDonald's you'd get a happy meal or whatever, you would get a Coke glass, this, this glass. Yeah. And we had like a whole set. And if I was on the phone, I would start filling up Coke glasses and tuning them and, oh. and, and, and start making all sorts of racket. My mom would be like, can you just talk on the phone? Cause she, she's hearing me talk. Meanwhile, it's ding, 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 ding. You know? That's great. That's and, great. I love that. So I was always multitasking. And, and to this day, I mean, I, I've never been officially diagnosed, but I'm sure I'm ADHD or ADD or some sort of like that kid can't pay attention, whatever you want to yeah. label me with. But that's just the way I am. Yeah, me too, man. Me too. I, I grew up that way. I was uh, labeled developmentally disabled. And um, I don't know if you faced anything like this, but I'll tell you another crazy story. I was born in 71, right? And mm -hmm. in, um, in that particular year, uh, when I was born, it was in December the 2nd. Uh, uh, I guess the doctors just couldn't understand. Like my first year of life wasn't making much sense to anybody and they couldn't understand why I wouldn't stop crying. They couldn't understand why I wouldn't go to sleep. And I kept moving around the house and like doing things. And I guess I was a pretty dramatic little child. <laughs> and, uh, so they wanted to put me in an institution, man. And mm. uh, they, they actually wanted to lock me up and, put me in some kind of a hospital because they didn't understand what that condition was. But my mom 
uh, fought for me apparently. So God bless her for doing that, you know? Um, but yeah, that's how misunderstood that that, uh, whole situation was back then. And, you know, for me, it actually all changed when I started smoking marijuana, jumping into the meat of the, uh, conference, you know, something a little risque, Yeah. Uh, but they gave me Ritalin. Right. And, uh, so I took these Ritalin pills and I hated it for some reason. I just didn't like having to take a pill every day. And so sooner or later in my private school, the high school kids figured out that, Todd didn't want his Ritalin pill. And so I just started giving it to them. And so then that translated into a bag of weed. And, you know, next thing yeah. you know, I was on my merry way, literally. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've been married twice. And my second wife was like, you, you need to be on some sort of medication, you would get so much more done if you were more focused and whatever. And I honestly have no idea what they gave me. But all I know was I was a zombie. And I was like, yeah, I'm not as creative, but I'm also just blah, you know, and I said, Mm -hmm. I would rather be a little, you know, ziggy zaggy than, than, sure. And so, and was it Adderall? You know, I honestly don't remember. I was trying to think of it. I'm like, I don't remember, but it's actually come to my, it's a benefit because almost every job I've had, I always have a toe in the marketing department because i'm i'm good at like oh that's really cool and and i'll come up with an analogy and or or whatever and i'm good at kind of putting myself in the shoe of the the customer and things like that so it's you know being able to be creative in a way is is handy you know where the other one was like no no we're just going to focus on this one thing and i'm like yeah and it really didn't i didn't feel any more focused than before i just you wanted to take a nap every day and i was like totally man yeah that's, I was like, that's cool that's yeah. really amazing. And actually, you're speaking to my heart because I've been um, in web development and marketing for over 20 years. And I started my own business and taught myself how to do it and all that just somehow naturally as a weird uh, series of events that occurred. And I had to understand what was going on. And I figured it out. And in the process of figuring it out, I got clients and quit my job and you know it was crazy man like just very natural you know but i'm i'm like you like mr idea and development i love creative and i love writing words and doing everything from making music to pretty pictures graphics corporate images like man i get off on making business cards like i'm a freak dude (laughs) (laughs) well and part of it is if you know what your weaknesses are then you can put measures in place to you know, make it uh, usable. So I, I use a software called Todoist. It's just a big fancy to-do list. And, mm-hmm. you know, because I know I'm going to kind of go left and right and zig and zag, I'm like, okay, well, I start off every day. I'm like, okay, what are we doing today? And I'm like, oh, let's pick those three things off the list. Let's focus on those. And when they're done, maybe do another one or things like that. So, you know, if you understand this is the way I am, then you just like, okay, well, how can I, without, you know, turning myself into a zombie, what can I do here? to keep me a little focused and you know it's working great that's cool man that's cool and for me because i struggled with some other issues and some trauma and whatnot but um the pill lexapro actually ended up being a real saving grace for me man just just so you know like just something to be aware of but yeah that that pill was really something and it didn't make me feel weird. It's almost like, um, I kind of describe it. Like I felt like a balloon that was overfilled with air. And so like constantly like my mind and my emotions when triggered or exasperated by some type of event or something like that, I could literally lose control for like a long time. And it was really crazy and I needed to gain control of that. And so thank God I was, 
dating somebody that knew a lot about medicine and she used to be a therapist and um, she was really gracious to do research and figure out that that was the right pill. And out of all the different ones we looked at, that was the one. And boy, it really worked. And over the course of several years, it actually changed things in my uh, brain functioning. And, and it really, you know, it has a permanent effect. That's the thing. So the, the difference between that pill and another type of pill like Paxil or you know, Zoloft or whatever the different ones are. I don't know, but uh, <laughs> Adderall, that's crack. But uh, the difference is that this actually makes a lasting change somehow. I don't, I don't, I can't understand it. All right. Too scientific, but it's right. really a powerful, powerful drug. And it, it really changed things for me a lot, man. Like, that's wow. cool. Yeah. I was a different person 20 years ago, dude. Yeah. You know, like a, bit of an asshole if i do say so myself I, <laughs> I, I didn't mean to be but i didn't know any better you know right <clears throat> so that's how that is you know um so man we just got off tangent uh off on a tangent but that's okay you're a different kind of a guest um i haven't had a guest like you before you're kind of special because in a way i feel like um you know, I'm <laughs> talking with the president or something. You're a pod, you're a podcast consultant, so you're the man that's watching, listening, and paying attention and thinking and all that stuff. So I want to do a good job here, Dave. But uh, well, you know, I, I get that. One of my friends is her name is Minyang Fogarty, and mm -hmm. most people don't know that name. But if I said, "Oh, have you ever heard of Grammar Girl?" because she was the first podcaster on Oprah many many moons ago. And there are times when I have to email her, and you haven't felt pressure until you email Grammar Girl. You're like, wait, is that a <laughs> semicolon or a wait? wait do we need uh, here? It's, it's crazy, man. So yeah, yeah I get yeah. it. Uh, it's all good. I just think it's neat, and I'm, I'm actually quite honored to have you. And um, I didn't want to, you know, I, I don't want to have an agenda or whatever, but like I am really curious, you know, a little bit more about how you came to be who you are. And I was hoping we could explore some things. Um, you know, don't necessarily lean on the positive, although that's great. Um, I'd like to, an opportunity for people to learn from things that you've been through that were challenging. And uh, so if there's anything that maybe comes to mind along those lines that you'd like to share, I'd love to jump into some information like that before we get to the pod match world, yeah, the podcasting world. My, my biggest, uh, by far, uh, battle that I had to go through was I lost my mom when I was 24 um, she was a, a lifelong diabetic, like the kind you got to shoot insulin in your butt and that whole nine yards. And so she ended up, I guess it was her third heart attack. She had two, uh, the one, she had a heart attack. It was a mild heart attack. And then like, I don't know, probably 10 years later, she had another one that was pretty bad. And then the day she was supposed to get out of, uh, intensive care, uh, her heart did the cha-cha and that was the end of that. But the fun oh. part was was I was the week before finals I was in college getting a, a electronics degree and I said hey like my mom died can I like get a postponement on on finals and take them like next week and they went uh no and I went okay so is there any like my mom died that's like I think that's a pretty good excuse yeah and, and then the fun part of that was my sister although never diagnosed I'm pretty sure has Asperger's so that's a person that really doesn't like change and mm -hmm. obviously everybody's, you know, life changed. So that was fun trying to kind of keep her um, just going basically and in, in, in a somewhat helpful way. And my dad was a long distance truck driver. So I'm trying to, I'm working part-time as a waiter. 
I'm going to school part time and I'm trying to run a house at the same time. So that was that was one that I was just like, holy cow, that's uh and I remember my yeah, my last semester, um, and I also had a girlfriend at the time, and I just told her, I said, I think I was always taking like maybe nine or, you know, if I was crazy, 12 credit hours. And I said, if I take all these classes, it'll be 14 hours. I'm going to be insane. Uh, I said, but I'm either graduating or I'm, I'm just going to, you know, quit or, you know, kick the bucket or something. I was just, I'd had enough just because of all the pressure. And I said, I got to eliminate one of these and we're going to get school out of the picture. So that last semester, I just buckled down and my, my grades went in the toilet a little bit, but I was like, I don't care. I'm getting that piece of paper. And uh, so that was one that was uh, was tough to uh, to deal with in just terms of, you know, and it's it's weird that, you know, I, I have uh, uh, recently uh, had a, a friend of mine that I, I've known and unfortunately he was 41 and he was killed in a car wreck and oh. his his oldest kid is 24. And so I'm at the. I'm at the events and I'm looking over at this 24 year old kid. And I always thought I was a, you know, I was an adult when my mom died and I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, man, I was a baby. I didn't, <laughs> you know, you think you're, yeah. you're all that. So that was a, that was a big one to get through. And, um, dude, I'm really know. sorry, man. That's terrible, dude. Well, it's, it's what's weird. What I've learned over the years is everything you learn about grief is wrong. So like, you know, don't buy somebody a puppy, you know, that's, <laughs> That's not going to help. And the no. whole time he heals all wounds. That's, that's really kind of BS. Um, you know, there's a bunch of stuff and what you have to to do to get your head around it is like, realize that there's always going to be this hole. And if you just focus on the hole, you, you will just, you know, you'll be in a funk forever. And uh, so instead you have to just focus on and be appreciative that I had in this, she was 59. So I, I try to be, um gratitude for the the years i had with her you know and remember those and i journal a lot to to write down any story i can remember just to kind of keep her alive in my memories but it it wow. definitely made, it made things tough you know so but uh you push really? through you know and um you know and it's those things that like i had to go tell my grandma that she'd outlived her kid and i was just like oh this is gonna suck you know and it did, but the the thing is, then later in life, because we've looked, we could have somebody else come on and go, "Oh, I can beat that." Mike did this, you know. We all have our own stories, but it's yeah. those things that we go through that when you go, "Oh man, how I've, I've got this in my job and the blah blah blah," and you some other hurdle comes up and you're like, "You know what? Uh, I've done harder things," and yeah. sometimes you know, so it's those things that kind of give you the the confidence in a way to go, well, I've done other hard things. I'll, I'll figure this one out. I've always figured it out one way or another. Man. Um, but like those kinds of things, like I, I personally struggle with certain issues still myself today, but you know, it's amazing. Today's been an amazing day, Dave. You're, you're the wrap up of a long day of amazing guests. And, um, I recorded a bunch of people just today that all had very similar messages and, um, the consensus between all of them is that this is nothing more than energy and it can be manifested and directed and changed into whatever form you'd like to choose. Do you agree with that? Oh, I do. Because, um, you know, um, since we're talking about my mom, one of the, the coolest things she ever said to me is I remember this one day. Now, again, I'm all of whatever, 22 at the time. And I'm thinking all I'm all big and grown up. And I was like, hey, you know, mom, I turned out OK. Uh, you know, what's your philosophy on? on parenting. And she said, well, I always just figured if it didn't kill you, 
you know, let you, let you do it and, you know, let <laughs> you figure out what it is. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And I said, cause I never really heard you complain. I said, I, I didn't realize at the time, but we were kind of poor and, you know, it, it was not, not a, I never suffered or anything like that, but other kids were getting the fancy sneakers and I wasn't. And I, I had a growth spurt once where I grew an inch a month. So by the time I got back to school, the only thing missing was an arc. My, my pants were so floods. And I, I said, you know, I never heard you complain. And she said, well, I've always learned that where there is a shadow, there is a light. And she goes, so I always just tend to look at the light. And I always remember that. I was like, you know what? That's pretty, uh, that's pretty cool. That's, so That's a really good, that's wisdom right there. That's a yeah. very good way to look at it. And so, you know, I, I remember thinking, you know, again, you're, you're grieving. I've lost my mom. And I was like, you know what, but this is maybe an opportunity now for me to get a better understanding of who my dad is. And it, it kind of did. It kind of didn't. He, he was very much a John Wayne, not so much talking kind of guy, but we, we had our moments here and there, but you know, uh, I had, um, I have a, a great niece and she broke her leg and uh, she's bummed cause she's cheerleader. She's all of, I don't know, 10 or something like that. <laughs> and I said, okay, are there, what are the things that this enables you to do that you normally couldn't do? And she goes, well, what do you mean? She goes, I, I can't get up and walk around. I got these stupid crutches. And I go, yeah, I go, do you have any books or movies or anything else that you've been dying to see or read or whatever, but you couldn't cause you had to go to, you know, cheerleader practice or something like that. I said, because yeah, this stinks that you can't, you know, do what you want to do. You want, you want to go cheer and all this other stuff. I said, but that probably means there's an opportunity to do something that you probably either have never done or something you've been wanting to do. And maybe now you have the opportunity to do it. That's and she right. said, and she said, yeah, you know what? There are some books I've wanted to read. And, and she goes, I'm not really much into reading, but this might get me into it now that I have time. And I go, well, there you go. Give it a shot. Wow. That's amazing. Um, if your mom could be here right now today, what would you say to her? Who I, I, it was interesting because uh, unlike some people, we, we had the, the <laughs> made for TV moment where you, you have the bedside talk because she was on a drug and they said, look, we're going to take you off this drug. Uh, Cause it, it was hard to get her on and it was hard to get her off. And so we got her on it. That was great. It, it kind of cleared up what the deal was. She had a bunch of fluid in her lungs and they said, but it's going to be hard to get her off. And that's what basically caused the last heart attack. So she knew this and she, she pulled us in to say, look, I don't want to go on life support. Cause my mom was just, she was just great. And she's like, I don't want to be a burden, you know? And yeah. we're like, mom, you wouldn't be a burden. She's like, no, I'm just here to tell you if it's my time to go, me and God are good and, and I'm good to go. And so she then pulled us all in together. And, um, I, at the time I said, thanks for being, you know, such a great mom, et cetera, et cetera. But that was from the vantage point of a 24 year old kid. And now, you know, Mm -hmm. An additional 24 years later or 34 years later, I'm like, oh, man, I was like, I had no idea what a special person she was. So I would love to to be able to go back and say, I had no idea. And, you know, the fact that, uh, you know, I, I am uh, I'm a man of clutter. So I am a, a person that sometimes finds it hard to get those dishes into the dishwasher. And <laughs> if I set them in the sink, she'd just wipe them off. No questions asked, put them in there, you know, just all these little things that she used to do. Yeah. I, I had, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate now. So that would be it. I would, I would want to redo of the, let me thank you for being such an awesome mom. Right on, man. That's beautiful. And your father, my father would be again, same thing. I, man, 
I remember the one day because he was hauling uh, these big slabs of granite. So, you know, megatons of stuff. And he was going from Akron, Ohio to Gary, Indiana. So it took like a, a couple of days to get there and find a load and come back, et cetera, et cetera. And I remember the one time he said, yeah, I've, uh, he goes, I've actually started taking a different route because this is again, before the days of ways and, you know, all the other stuff that, that makes it easy to navigate. He said, I got so tired of whatever route it was, you know, route one, two, three, whatever. He goes, I've seen that so many times. He goes, I just started taking different routes just to break up the monotony. And so again, I, that uh, was really, you know, he basically did not have a great job. I went on a couple trips with him and it's boring and people don't understand how hard it is to, you know, not just run every, <laughs> run over everybody when you got a couple tons on the back of, of your truck and things like that. So again, I, I underappreciated my parents and it'd be cool to say, Hey, you know, I'm sorry, I broke some stuff while you're on the road and you had to spend your whole Saturday and that whole nine yards. But uh, yeah, I, I would definitely uh, give him another thank you. Right on, man. That's cool. You have a really good heart, Dave. I like that, man. Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. Do you have kids? No, I, uh, my, I've been married twice. My first wife, I was with her for 15 years. We spun ourselves into bankruptcy because she had one ovary and I knew that when I married her and then she ended up having endometriosis, which is basically speed bumps for sperm. And mm -hmm. so we tried our hardest and did all sorts of intro inner. Uh, I can't even say it, but you know, all that. in vitro, in vitro fertilization. And I had a girlfriend with in, in vitro metriosis in college, actually. Yeah. Enough. So one point we made the really stupid mistake of starting charging those. And that's, that's, I do not recommend that to anybody, but finally we had a doctor that said, Hey, look, you kids, you're not going to have any, sorry, but it's just the case. Uh, and uh, so she turned into, well, first of all, I then, because we were so close to going bankrupt, uh, and this this is where I look back and I go, I, I caused this marriage to fall apart. I got offered a job at my, my current, I got promoted basically, but that promotion had me on the road about four out of seven days a week. So right when my wife really needed me, I took a job on the road and I was like, oh, that was that that was a dumb move. But it it gave us more money and I was more worried about paying the bills. And looking back, I'm like, yeah, that was a bad mistake. Because while I was out, she basically uh, alcoholism ran in her family. And so she drowned her, her sorrows in beer and ended up cheating on me. And if you can have a friendly divorce, uh, I've had two now. And so yeah. I didn't have any kids with her because of our issues. Uh, but we just kind of realized that, you know, hey, I've known you for 15 years. And as much as I don't want to be married to you, I, I don't want to lose you completely. So we occasionally text and check in on each other. Uh, and then my second wife had three kids already. I inherited teenagers, which was great fun. And oh, wow. but their, their father had remarried and had three more kids and kind of forgot he had three to start with. And so... <laughs> I was with them for 10 years and I just told them, I said, look, I'm not going to replace your dad. I'm not going to try to. I said, I'm your transitional coach. I'm here to get you from where you are into being a, you know, respectable, healthy member of society. And awesome, um, man. yeah. And so it was, was interesting. And that was one where I had met her online. We dated uh, long distance because we we're about an hour apart and when I, uh, I'd gone back to school to get a teaching degree and I would see her on the weekends and that was it. And it's really easy to get along with somebody when you only see them on the weekend. And 
to make a long story short, we ended up getting married, even though I said, why don't we date normal for a little bit? And she even said, she goes, you know, when you suggested that we should have done that because we would have figured out we, in the end, we just, we just weren't really compatible. Uh, and I've, I've heard people say, ah, I married the wrong person. And I was like, how do you do that? And well, that's how you do it. You don't really know them because you only dated them on the weekends. And I was really worried when we decided to get divorced because we had been in and out of counseling for years. And, uh, I had been to more, you know, family, you know, school events and things like that than the kid's actual father. And I was kind of bummed because I wanted to divorce their mom, but I didn't want to divorce the kids. Yeah, and I was, I, I was, I was really happy that again, we kind of just said, Hey, let's just agree to disagree here. And we're going to, we're going to part. We're tired of making our uh, counselors rich and while we get no results. And I really thought the minute we got divorced, I would just see unfriend, unfriend, unfriend on Facebook. And what was interesting is she got remarried and uh, well, actually the first year she invited me up to Christmas because my family goes out of town at Christmas. And it's weird because, yes, I'm alone on Christmas, but I'm not. I just have Christmas a week earlier. And uh, she said, well, if you're going to be, why, why don't you come up? And I go, is, is that in the handbook somewhere? I don't like ask your mom, you know. And so I, I walked into the door and there was everybody. I said, hey, if we could all just pause for a moment of awkwardness. And I'm like, okay, now that that's over, how's everybody doing? You know, and I, I caught up with everybody. And so when she got remarried, she's like, hey, um, all the kids are going to be in town. And now the kids have their own kids. So she's a grandma. And she goes, they really would like to, you know, kind of catch up. And she goes, so do you want to you want to come to my wedding? And I go, again, is this in the handbook? Like, you might want to check with your fiance. And uh, she's like, oh, he'll be fine. And I'm like, okay, some things never change. Great. And so I did. I went to her. Uh, she got remarried again and hung out with the kids and was uh, introduced as a friend of the family. And I was like, right oh, on. is that what I am now? I'm now a friend of the family. So it, I secretly, she told everybody you were gay. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. But, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's odd because um, – we don't talk a lot, but when we, it's funny. Cause if I'm calling her, she'll pick up the phone and go ask a nurse. Cause that's what she is. And she knows if I'm calling her, it's because I have something where I'm like, Hey, you know, I've got this lump under my armpit. Does that mean I'm going to die? And she's like, no, no, it's an ingrown hair. Don't worry about it. And if she calls mm -hmm. me, I'll just pick it up. And I'm like, Dave's computer service. How can I help you? And she's like, my mom's computer won't print. And I'll be like, hold on, click there, do that, clear the cash. Yeah. So we're, we're friendly to that point. And uh, you know, I wish them both well, and they're both doing good. And, that's beautiful, uh, my, man. My, yeah, my first wife has finally got sober, so that was good. And, uh, you know, it's, we all move on. And, you know, again, one door closes. All right, this is an opportunity to do something else. Let's see what it is. Absolutely, man. I love your attitude. It's great. And, uh, man, it's just like so simple. And uh, I really like that, actually. It's nice. It's like well, you did. And, and again, that it's, it's a thing you learn because, you know, Again, I don't want to I don't want to bring the party down, but when my mom died, I somewhat like my favorite movie is Dead Poet Society because of Carpe Diem, right? Seize the day. Mm -hmm. And so I've always kind of had that attitude of like, all right, well, this didn't work. Okay, that's sad. What can I wring out of that? That's my teacher background. So what can I learn from this? And, and in my case, I've learned in both cases, I tend to now these are fine people. They're kind and wonderful and funny, but they both had horrible childhoods. And I am the white knight that comes in to save. And I'm like, I need to not do that anymore because it just yeah. doesn't, doesn't work. So 
you know, that's where, uh, you know, these things that happen in your childhood shape the way, you know, you are as an adult. So for me, you know, my, my sister-in-law one day, uh, cause I, I work during the day for a podcasting company and then I have this super serious side hustle, the school of podcasting. And mm -hmm. she said, do you ever rest or when do you have fun? And I go, you don't realize I said, for me, podcasting is fun. It's exactly. cool that it, it helps pay the bills. I said, but I am having fun. I said, I realized, yeah. you know, I, I, most of my friends are online. It's great when I go to events and I get to see them in person, but you know, I, I, um, you know, I, I, I'm not a person that is going, well, number one, because I have sun poisoning. So if you ever see me and wonder why I'm so white, that's why me and the sun don't get along. But I'm not yeah. a person that like, let's go to the beach and sit in the sun. I'm like, mm, no, no, thanks. I'd rather. I used to be until they said uh, basal cell carcinoma. Yeah. And I was like, uh-oh. That'll, that'll grab your attention real quick. Yeah, man. So I got to be careful, man. But I feel you on that too. And I'm, I'm a web developer and marketing guy by trade as well. I've been doing that for more than 20 years. And um, I'd love to talk with you after the show briefly about that, actually, just for fun. But um, you sound just as geeky and weird as I am. And I get off on that stuff, man. I can build websites and do graphics and logos for days. And like, yeah. I mean, I've, I've fallen asleep at my desk so many times, like, oh, yep. just in pure exhaustion from the passion that I just can't turn off. And it's like, okay, I better go to sleep. My body is not digging this. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, when you're well, exactly, you're falling, you're nodding off at the at the keyboard. Been there, done yeah. that many a time. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, we sound very. In my mind, we sound very similar in some ways. That way, I really like the the passion and just. Um, you know, you're an interesting character. There's no question about it. <laughs> oh, very interesting indeed. Um, how long have you been involved in marketing and all that kind of stuff? Really, I mean, my first job was I was a because I had my original degree was in a engineering, so I was mm -hmm. a copier technician because I wanted to fix stuff, yeah. and that I, I did that for about two years. I was not very good at it, to be honest with you, uh, because I am very geographically challenged. And this was back before GPS, and we have these orange books <laughs> that you got to figure out that okay, this is on three B of this uh, was just an insane way. So I was constantly getting lost in that. Chewed yeah, up I know time. what you're talking about. Yeah. And uh, the one guy that hired me was a manager when he hired me was now vice president. And he, he made a job for me. He's like, Look, he goes, you seem to like talking. Uh, and he goes, So we have a problem where our customers are breaking our equipment. And he goes, but we have this great sales staff and a great service staff but we're sending our service guys out to fix things because the customer's doing stupid stuff to the machine. He goes, so I want you to go out and train people how to run the equipment. He goes, so you've got the technology and the technical skills to set this up. He goes, but I want you to train them how to run the equipment. And he goes, and more importantly, I want you to train them on how to not run the equipment. And I'm yes. like, I said, so how do I do that? And he's like, that's up to you. He goes, I'm, I'm giving you free reign. So I came up with this program where you would be the key operator. Like you had a title. This is Sharon, the key operator of the Minolta C920. And it had a little sticker on the inside of the door. And the number of customer-related calls went way down. And so that was one where, you know, that led me to being they're like you're really good at training do you know anything about computers and so i used to teach people i mean going back in the day i used to teach people how to surf the internet because they didn't know what it was 
mm-hmm. uh, and how to send email. I remember teaching people email <laughs> and they thought it was voodoo. It's, it's right. like now when, when people see chat GPT, they're like, what is this voodoo? And I'm like, oh, I've seen this before. You know, mm-hmm. I remember when email, they're like, hey, I just hit send and he's already got it. And I'm like, yeah, isn't it cool? It's so, amazing. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's been a fun ride along the way. Yeah, dude. My first taste of a computer was in a chat room on a 2400 baud modem that went. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. My yeah. favorite thing about about modems, who is the person that like they plug them in, right? Yeah. And they went, whoever thought of that, whoever did that, went, hey, you know what? That's good. Keep that. Like no bells, chimes, something soothing. No, no, the yeah. Let's keep that. That's good. Keep that. I was like, I yeah, it really fascinates me thinking back, dude. Remember those AOL CDs they used to send everywhere? Yeah. Like uh, uh, that was crazy. Those are the on- days, though prodigy uh bulletin boards yep. and then yep. uh your mom would pick up the phone and you drop your connection you're like oh mom <laughs> you've been on the computer all day oh that's right yeah dial up even yeah, yeah. yeah. well i mean i was thinking separately but yeah aol's oh, no. dial up was a nightmare dude yeah and then the computer was so slow that like you could click a button and go in the other room and come back and then maybe the page would be loaded. You know? Yeah, half the picture was loaded. Yes, exactly. I know. It was exactly like that, man. We're, we're from the same old school, you and me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and you, did you ever play on an Apple computer like uh, the yeah. original two E's and two C's with logo and all that? Yeah. When uh, when I was doing the copier thing, that's when literally it's so funny. I remember when the first color copier came out and it was literally the size of your dryer. It was yeah, humongous. Totally. Yep. And we, we had some sort of Mac that was plugged into it. And I remember that's when I first got into Photoshop and we'd, mm-hmm. uh, you know, take somebody's picture. And then this really early, early version of a digital camera was there and we could print it out in that whole nine yards. But I look at that now and it's like, you know, the printers we have now are, you know, one, geez, who knows, you know, the, one one tenth of a size of that it's ridiculous yeah uh, man so that was that was wild but that's what got me into training and then um the the bad news with that company is i they had four different divisions and i worked in them all doing some sort of training at one point i was doing training at the newspaper industry on these giant scanners and they moved me into a position and then to to teach the company the software and about 25 percent of the way through the rollout they decided hey, we're not going to use this software and they went okay what are we doing with Dave again? And that, that's when I was like, oh, it's like a bad game of musical chairs. And so I went to go get a job as a trainer and they're like, yeah, but your, your degree's in engineering. And I'm like, yeah, but look at my resume. I've done computer-based training and I've done, I've written my own manuals. And it was like, nope. So I had to go back to school to, um, to get my teaching degree. So that took a couple of years. And then wow. I did that for the the longest time and taught a lot of Microsoft Office and QuickBooks, along with things like time management and customer service. And then um, I remember I got hired at this chain called New Horizons. And when I was hired, there were five trainers, and then there were four, and then there were three, and we're down to two. And I, I remember I got a call from my boss. My They were out of Michigan and I'm in Ohio. And my boss is like, hey, I heard you did a great job in South Carolina, which was also a red flag. Why am I in Ohio and you're sending me to South Carolina to do training? And I, as I, she started to tell me that I was going to be let go as I walked into an elevator and I dropped the signal. So I called her back and I go, I think I know the end of that sentence. And she's like, yeah, you know, this is nothing to do, you know, with, with your performance. You're one of our best trainers. And I go, yeah, that's fine. And um, so I called up my now ex-wife and i said hey i think i'm going to do the school of podcasting full time 
uh, I just lost my job. And she said, yeah, no, you're not doing that. And I was like, well, be, you know, I can get benefits through you. And she's like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. And I'm like, okay. So hmm. I then called my, uh, I had a friend of mine that worked for a podcasting company that I'd been a customer of for 10 years and, and they're a great company. And I just called him up and I said, uh, hey, want to have an awkward conversation? He's like, uh, okay. <laughs> and I go, I got uh, good news and bad news. And he's like, oh, okay, uh, bad news, please. And I go, yes, I just lost my job. And he goes, oh, okay. And the good news is, and I go, I'm available to work for you, buddy. I told you it might be awkward. And he said, no, no, no. He goes, uh, um, that's actually, he goes, I would say, I'm sorry to hear you lost your job, but I'm not. He goes, what are you doing the rest of the day? And I go, I am walking to my car, uh, probably laundry, you know? And mm -hmm. 20 minutes later, I had the president of the company calling me up and we kind of did a phone interview and, uh, it's a podcasting company. So that's where I'd already started podcasting. I'd been doing it for uh, a couple years. So, and I'm working in their tech support, which is still kind of teaching people. It's just mm -hmm. uh, a different form. And I've been there for uh, seven or eight years now. So That's amazing. How cool, man. Very yeah. cool. And very inspiring, actually. Very cool. Yeah. Man, what a neat thing. And you get to follow your passion and enjoy all that stuff. Um, do you actually offer something to anybody? I mean, like, I know you have a gig and a side thing, but like, I want to make sure people can reach out and connect with you. Let's talk a little bit about maybe what you're doing and how it impacts others and what that, uh, where people can find you and all that good stuff. Yeah, all that good stuff. Well, you can find me at schoolofpodcasting.com. That's my main website. That's that's the mothership, shall we say. I, I play with a lot of different things around podcasting. So I have another show on Saturday mornings. It's 1030 Eastern time. So I realize that's way early for those on the West Coast. But it's just free podcast consulting. It's called Ask the Podcast Coach. And I just did that because some people can't afford to hire me as a consultant. Um, and they, for whatever reason, don't want to join a membership site because the the School of Podcasting, it has, you know, step-by-step -step courses. It's got uh, a phenomenal community. That's I, I love my community. It's all sorts of different uh, professional people. And we got marketing people and all sorts of other people in there. And then you've got unlimited one-on-one uh, -on -one consulting with me. And, and that always kind of throws people for a loop. They're like, so I could, I could have a meeting with you on Monday. And I'm like, yeah. And then they're like, and I could, I could book another one on Wednesday. And I go, yep, it's called unlimited. I'm like, cause I, I used to spend a lot of time trying cause, cause when you hire me as a coach one-on-one, -on -one, it's not cheap. <laughs> and I was, but I had to spend hours finding persons to that, that needed my service. And then you'd have to answer a bunch of questions for free, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, wait a minute, I love to coach people. I've already got people giving me money as, as a monthly membership. Why not just get, give it to the people that are already giving me money? And people are like, well, you can't do that. That won't scale. And I'm like, well, you know what? Until it doesn't scale, let's do it because I win. I get to coach people. They win. You know, so I've been doing that. So that's, that's the main website is schoolofpodcasting.com. I do have kind of a link tree kind of website because I've, I've got multiple things going on and that's at powerofpodcasting.com. That's where you can find my, I have a book about monetizing your podcast and I have podcasts that will review your podcast and things like that. So that's all over there at powerofpodcasting.com. Man, that's cool. Very cool. I'm actually going through a little transformation myself right now. And um, I've been at this a little over a year. And um, it's always meant to be very spontaneous and authentic and not scripted and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I've realized and learned over the uh, year that I've been doing this that most of the stuff revolves around 
you know, emotional well-being and mental health and uh, overcoming obstacles and different things in different ways. And I think I'm ready to start monetizing. And I have my first, um, I have my first sponsor. It's a company called Better Help. Yep. And um, I don't know if you're familiar. You probably are. Yes, of course. Right. They're all over the place now. But yeah, um, that was my sponsor for the first, you know, sponsor anyway. And um, I'm sure there'll be more as time goes on. But um, the idea is that um, I really want to do things that can help people. So if I'm going to ask for money or ask for anything to support the show, I want it to be in the name of helping people. That's all. But it's a conflict. You know, it's weird. Like the whole year I've been doing this, like I could have been doing something in the very beginning, but I never did. So I might actually be... Uh, one of those people that would like to at least have a single conversation, you know? Yeah. Uh, it, it, it comes down to two questions everything that I do is based on these two questions. The one is first one is like, why am I doing this? So that might be, I want to be seen as an expert. I want to keep my brand in front of people. I want to grow my network. You know, I want to sell more stuff. I want to sell my own stuff, things like that. So that's the why. And there's no wrong answer there. So like, whatever your why is, is your why. And then you have to figure out who your who is uh, because, and you have to get super crystal clear on that because if I say I'm doing a show for widows, you're like, oh, cool. That's, that's a niche, right? And I'm like, well, it is and it isn't because there's a big difference between the 38-year-old widow who lost her husband in a car wreck and the 87-year-old widow who lost her spouse to natural causes right. so that now when you go, hey, in this episode, we're going to talk about getting back into the dating scene. Well, that 87-year-old widow is not probably interested in that. So you have to have a, a crystal clear picture of that. So now I've got my my why and my who and where those overlap. You know, where what can I talk about that's going to hold their attention but motivate them to do my why? And that's where the the tricky part is, because if you just talk about what you want to talk about and try to get people to your why, well, if your audience doesn't want to hear any of that, they're not going to tune in. And if you just talk about what they want to hear, well, they'll be, you know, happy as, you know, pigs in mud, but they're not moving towards your why and you'll burn out and quit. So those mm. are the two things in terms of strategy that you you have to do. And then if it's selling your own stuff, you have to and it's weird because when we start trying to sell our own services, we feel like a 1970s used car salesman who's trying to sell you a bucket <laughs> of bolts. And our our pitch is horrendous. We're like, hey, like, you know, uh, you don't have to, but, you know, like maybe, you know, our website's com. You're like, wait, what was that? You know, so uh, I had a friend of mine. I've, I've known her for a few years. And she started a podcast and I listened to like her first probably three or four. And I was asking, like, how's your podcast doing? She's like, you know, it's going good, but I'm I'm not getting any attention about being a potential speaker. And I go, I've known you for about eight months. I've listened to every episode. I go, you speak to kids? I go, you've never even mentioned this to me. And she said, oh, I don't want to be salesy. And I said, it's not. I said, number one, you're not selling people. You're helping people. That's the difference. And I said, and it doesn't have to be a big, this Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. No, all you have to do is say, hey, thanks so much for tuning in today. I was speaking at such and such high school. And this young man came up to me and he asked me this question. And I thought that would be a great topic for a podcast. I go, there you go. There's your commercial. Now your audience knows that you speak to high school kids. I go, mm -hmm. that was it. You know, I said, it doesn't have to be super salesy. 
So Oof. it's uh, it's tricky with the whole monetization thing. A lot of people will read my book because in my book I say most of the people I talk to, uh, it took them three, maybe two years to grow a big enough audience to where it really, you know, something that was a little more than Mountain Dew money. And mm -hmm. uh, nobody wants to hear that. They want to hear six months, you know, six weeks maybe till I can quit my day job. And I'm like, this not, at least for my travels, uh, <laughs> you know, that's it's not going to be quite that fast. But it's uh, and almost all of them had multiple streams of income. So they would have they would sell ads. They might have affiliate stuff. They might do a little crowdfunding. You know, it was I only knew uh, one guy's named Jordan Harbinger who gets hundreds of thousands of, of downloads per episode. And he was the only person I talked to that did just ads because he had, you know, insane amounts of downloads. And then he had like, he, and he's really good at um, doing his ads short to the point, making it sound like it's something you want to know about. And he'd have like two, like maybe in the middle and then one towards the middle end and then one towards the end. And the other thing I thought Jordan did that was amazing is if you go to jordanharbinger.com slash deals, he has all of his sponsors on one page. So you might go over there looking for some better help and say, oh, wait a minute. He's got this thing on mouthwash and a toothbrush and a, mm -hmm. you know, you know, a blue apron or whatever it is. And I was like, man, that's a that's a brilliant kind of, uh, you know, strategy there. And it's it's those are the things that I've discovered as I was talking to these people. And that's what went into the book. So but people hear that three year thing. They're like, well, I've been podcasting for three years, so I can monetize now. And I'm like, well, how big is your audience? And they're like, it's not very big. And I'm like, yeah, it's it's not it's not based on time. It's based on how big your audience is. Not that you have to have tens of thousands of downloads. I mean, I'm nowhere near that. But my audience is podcasters. So I've had microphone manufacturers and people that are very podcasting specific approach me to be a sponsor because I have the the people they're looking for. And gotcha. so, um, but I mean, I've been, you know, playing the guitar since I was 12. I don't have a Grammy yet. Well, it's, it's not based on time. It's, it's based on your achievement. And so the same thing with podcasting, when people go, well, I've been podcasting for seven years, I should be able to monetize. And I'm like, well, maybe how big is your audience? They're like, I don't know. I'm getting about 34 people per episode. I'm like, yeah, that's, there's something wrong there then. Cause you can, unless you're talking about pygmy ponies or something super duper niche, you, you might want to have more than 34 downloads. So, but yeah, yeah. Tricky. Very cool. Yeah, man, this is uh this is synchronicity here, man. I'm really glad that we crossed paths because I'm actually looking for answers and I can tell that you're a trustworthy person and you're interested in helping people. And that's huge, um, especially when it comes to helping enable people to generate income or do things to improve their business or their livelihood. So I really appreciate that. And you didn't really mention the name and I know you're really humble, but I just want to make sure your book is called profit from your podcast right yeah profit from your podcast and then the tagline is uh proven strategies to turn your listeners into a livelihood absolutely and where and, again can can people find all that just to repeat the web address once more yeah if you want to find everything i do i've got kind of a, a site of links you can just go to powerofpodcasting.com and that's that's got the school of podcasting it's got the book and a bunch of other stuff that you can do there so powerofpodcasting.com is kind of my my one size fits all site. So do you believe that podcasts are uh, here to stay? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, I mean, since 2005, it's just gotten bigger and bigger and bigger. I think there are people that are trying to not on purpose, but I think they're trying to ruin it because the, the history of radio was at one point 
it, it quit growing. And so they said, okay, well, instead of trying to grow it more, they just said, how can we wring as much money out of this as we can? And they just, I mean, radio is like 30% ads. And when I say that to people, I go, that is not a benchmark to shoot for. That's the benchmark you want to stay away from. Yeah. And yet some of these uh, Mayim Blaylock or whatever, she was on, uh, she was Amy on the, the Big Bang Theory and she's on Jeopardy. I listened to her show, her first 15 minutes, it was like 34% of it was ads. And I was uh, like, yeah, that's not. I hate that. Yeah. I mean, I don't mind ads. I'm not anti-ads. <laughs> and like you were mentioning, BetterHelp completely fits this audience. So that's the the difference. But when you're just jamming them in, I'm like, Ugh, you know, so. <laughs> can, I, can I ask you an off-the-wall question? Oh, absolutely. Um, my BetterHelp ad ended up being close to three minutes long. It's a, it's a pretty good one. But like they gave me copy I had to read, like yeah. and include and all that. But like it, it's a little bit longer than I would normally want something like that. Is that okay? Since we're talking about podcasts and they're just listening anyway, like, or is that a no-no? Is it always under 60 seconds? Oh, no. Is there the, a rule of thumb? There is a rule of thumb. You ready for it? Yeah. Don't be Whatever. boring. Don't be boring. Okay. okay. It really is that. It's... um. You know, as long as it's because uh, there's a great book by a woman named Valerie Gellerts. It was written kind of more for radio. In fact, it's called Beyond Powerful Radio. It's used by a lot of colleges for their kind of radio programs. But she's got a great quote in there. And she said, there is no such thing as too long, only too boring. And I gotcha. thought about that because I've I've listened to, you know, three hour podcasts that felt like five minutes. And yeah. I've I've listened to five minute podcasts that felt like three hours. Like, oh, God, so it's uh, you know, in the other thing I always tell people, and we've done a lot of that tonight, is anytime you can make a point with a story, that's how the audience gets to know you. When you when you publish on a regular schedule, you're seen as uh, reliable because you're there every Monday or whatever your schedule is. And then when you give them good content, and for me, good content makes you laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain. Now, if you can do more than one of those, like the the um, last week tonight on HBO by John Oliver makes mm -hmm. me moan because it's all about the government. Um, it makes me laugh uh, because he's a comedian. And then it also educates me. They talk about a lot of issues that I had no idea were going on in the world. So he's got three of those. And I always just say, if you're not making people laugh, cry, think, groan, educate, or entertain, you're boring. And just don't be boring. Perfect. Well, I think I'm on the right track, my man. Yeah. At least on the right track. But I definitely have a little optimization strategy to do. I've been kind of uh, toying with AI for that and learning some interesting tools and techniques to generate different things uh, related to traffic uh, and keywords and optimization, just new tools that are totally just mind boggling compared oh, yeah. to what I, what I used to do like a long time ago, man, it's come a long way, brother. It's awesome, man. Awesome. Cool. Yeah. There's no shortage of opportunities. That's for sure. And in just wrapping up, uh, we're getting kind of close and I don't mind going over a little bit if there's anything else we need to include, but I want to make sure that we didn't miss anything. You know, this has been an especially enjoyable, just kind of casual conversation, no agenda. I know you don't have an agenda, but I know you like helping people. So what kind of person would reach out to you? Somebody with an idea or already have a podcast and wants help? Yeah, if you have an idea, although I've had people that are like, my problem is I have three ideas, which one should I use? So I, I right. can help in that situation. But yeah, anybody who's got a message and passion and, and wants to, I always say usually 
the people that really have, and, and I can hear that in your voice, uh, the people that have success with podcasts have the heart of a servant. They want to serve their audience, not mm-hmm. just, you know, pick their pockets and take the money and run. And no so if, if that's you, yeah, definitely come out and see me at schoolofpodcasting.com. Uh, if you use the coupon code listener, because, well, you're a listener right now, you're hearing me, uh, that'll save you on either a monthly or yearly subscription. Very, very cool. Very cool. And do you have any final words, anything on your heart or your mind that you might not have mentioned that would be important to share with people thinking about this or just out of the blue, something out of left field? You can make it awkward if you want to. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, one of my favorite quotes is from a guy named Zig Ziglar. He was an old sales trainer. I know him well. Yeah, he says, you don't have to be uh, great to start, but you do have to start to be great. And, you know, when I go back and listen to my stuff from 2005, I just cringe. It's horrendous, you know, but, you know, you got to start. And at the time I was, I just gone through my first divorce. I was living in my brother's basement next to the water heater. So, you know, but I was a musician. So I had a microphone already. You, You start where you are with what you got. And, you know, it's just been upward ever since. Amazing, man. That is very cool. Excellent. Dave Jackson, what a rare treat. This is really cool. I appreciate it. You're like, you know, maybe you should uh, coin yourself as the podcast doctor. <laughs> I had you know. somebody, they called me the dean of podcasting because of the whole okay. school thing. I was like, all right, I'll take that. You know, you, you wear the robe and everything, got a gavel in your hand <laughs> everywhere you go. <laughs> Amazing. I just want to thank you, Dave. This has been a joyous pleasure. And I would like to talk to you after the show for just a minute. Yeah. And um, let's connect. And I just want to tell everybody, this is the kind of guy you want to listen to. I've seen a lot of different people with a lot of different ideas. And like, you just want to find somebody who's going to tell you the truth. And Dave Jackson appears to be just such a man. And that is a blessing. Thank you, Dave. Oh, thank you, man. This was a blast. Right on, man. Awesome. Have a good evening. Thank you for tuning in to the Toddcast show. If you found today's episode helpful and meaningful, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on what's next. Remember that the Toddcast show is all about community and connection. So follow the podcast on your preferred social platform to keep updated on everything I've got in store. Also check out toddcastshow.com to find out more and stay connected with me, Todd Mira. Be sure to tell your friends and family about the Toddcast show so the podcast family can continue to grow and share on an international level. See you over on the next episode. Hi, I'm Todd Mira, host of the Toddcast show, and I want to share something personal with you today. Throughout my own life, I've struggled with issues I didn't even realize I had. Things like depression, past trauma, PTSD, and feeling disconnected from the people I loved the most. It took me hitting rock bottom to realize I couldn't fix myself alone. I needed help to unravel the tangled knots within my life, find myself again, and become stronger in the areas I was weakest. It wasn't an overnight transformation, but with time, I learned to change my thinking, my attitudes, and my entire paradigm for the better. I learned that it's good to ask for help, and that's why I want to tell you about our sponsor, BetterHelp. 
Thank you to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode of the Toddcast Show. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy service, and the best part, it's 100% online. You can participate from anywhere, anytime that works for you. It's simple to get started. Simply answer a few questions about your specific needs and personal preferences in therapy, and BetterHelp will match you with the perfect therapist from their network. It's really that easy. You can message your therapist anytime you need support and schedule a live session when it's convenient for you. BetterHelp is committed to ensuring that you find the perfect match to guide you along your journey to well-being. As someone who went through therapy and came out way ahead of where I started, I want to invite you to take this step to a healthier, happier you today. My life was transformed through therapy, and yours can be too. With BetterHelp, you get the same professionalism and quality you'd expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is hand-picked for you, all at a shockingly affordable price. And as a special offer for our listeners, you'll get 10% off your first month by using the special link, betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. That's betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast. You don't have to face life's challenges alone. BetterHelp is here to support you through the big and small issues of your life in a way that can really make a huge difference, both short and long term. Take the first step towards a healthier, happier you. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash Toddcast to get started today.